can open up your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, many of you know that uh, one of my favorite images in the Bible is that of the sheep with his shepherd, uh, with, with his she- their shepherd. And all the imagery of that goes, uh, God, he takes care of us and that we are a sheep and that we are part. He takes us in pasture, he puts us in a flock and he, he cares for us. Uh, and even so in the New Testament, uh, Jesus called a good shepherd. And as we uh, are called as leadership in the church to shepherd uh, the flock, his flock here, uh, all that is there. Uh, this morning, I titled my message, Counting Sheep. And when we get the imagery of counting sheep, most of us think about uh, when we struggle to sleep at night. Um, how many of you struggle to sleep at night sometimes, from time to time? Uh, and what what we've been taught to think is counting sheep and and this idea of these uh, sheep coming over, you know, different counting sheep and that, uh, this idea that you're just counting numbers and you really can't tell the sheep one from another and this idea. I, I want to tell you in the scripture, that's a terrible image, <laughs> a terrible image. It's not just the number. When I think of uh, that, I, I do think of the the 99 and the one, the one that is lost, and this idea that the shepherd knows his sheep. And when, in the Bible, when it's about counting sheep and, and this idea of the flock, it's the idea of the shepherd knowing exactly who the sheep are. And he, him going and this idea of, oh, they're here. Got it? They look okay. That's good. On to the next one. Okay, good. They're doing well. And and this idea of counting sheep, it's that idea of making the rounds, making the rounds, checking in with the sheep, making sure that they're okay. And as I look to God's word this morning, this is the picture that I see of Paul checking in with the Thessalonica church and, and this idea that he is concerned, spiritual concern for them. I want to tell you that uh, this book has been a challenge to me as a, a pastor uh, to see Paul's heart for these that have come to faith and these that have come to faith that aren't even in his presence. Uh, he is writing them a letter even though they are um, not with him. And so he has a heart for them and so it's spiritual concern. But a- as I was studying, I wanted to uh, tell you that this is a great passage for parents and grandparents as well. It's the same heart that we should have for our children. Uh, It's the same passion that we should have as we consider um, those, our children and our grandchildren, as we uh, concern ourselves with them. And and, uh, this passage, I'll tell you that as I studied it, I kept wanting to uh, say, oh, Paul's worried about them. Or he's anxious about them. And uh, maybe, you know, be careful with this. Uh, Maybe it's godly worry or proper anxiety about uh, uh, your offspring. And so uh, with that in mind, uh, let's go to this great passage where Paul uh, shares his spiritual concern. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you. The first five verses of First uh, Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul writes this, he says, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, 
we were willing to be left behind in Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, uh, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith uh, that no one be moved by these afflictions. Uh, for you yourselves know that when we are uh, that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, uh, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent uh, to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that you would uh, cause distraction to be far from us, that our hearts would be engaged, and that you would bring about the work uh, that only you can do in us. God, thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning I have, uh, I have seven points uh, and one tie-up, okay? So I wanted to let you know where we're going before then. Some of you get nervous and you, you get nervous that it'll take too long or what point is he on? And some of you are just chill and you'll just go with me wherever. Uh, uh, as, as we look to God's Word, these are the spiritual concerns. What drive us as parents, uh, grandparents, spiritual mentors, pastors, anyone who's concerned uh, with others, a life in Christ. We start in verse 1, and it says this. Uh, he says, therefore, we, well, we could bear it no longer. We could bear it no longer. And he goes again, and he says something similar to that uh, at the end of this section. He says it again, uh, when we could bear it no longer. I can't stand it. Can't stand it. Uh, it. The idea is that Paul's heart and mind is being filled, just being filled with thoughts of them wondering and waiting and uh, not knowing what what's happening and as as he's thinking of them uh, I want to say that he's concerned about their spiritual life he's wondering how they're doing and I'll say it like this if we have spiritual concern uh, for someone our heart breaks for them our heart breaks for them our heart is with them uh, He'd already said that he wanted to be with them in the last uh, chapter two. End of chapter two, he says, "I wanted, I was thwarted. I, I, this idea that you'd been ripped away from me and I'd been ripped away from you, and and I wanted to be with you, but I'm not with you. But my heart is still with you, broken for you, wanting the best for you. This is the heart of a pastor. This is the heart of a parent." This is the heart of a grandparent and a spiritual mentor, someone who cares. Your heart breaks. Um, this uh, idea of heartbreaking or uh, when he could stand it no longer, it, it's the idea of, of floodgates, of the idea that he could no longer cover it. He could no longer hold it together. Uh, it, his heart kind of burst open with action towards them. We're going to see what that action is. But, but why? What, what was it that uh, caused his heart? It was the separation, the separation. I, re I realized that um, th there might be a possibility that um, God would call you 
away from Bear Valley Church and away from Bear Valley. I, I realize that that could be a possibility. That would be terrible. That'd be terrible. Uh, there's this idea that God wants us to be together and, and, and our hearts as we're together get united, but he might have something where he would draw us apart, and yet what would hold us together is our heart for one another, being uh, united in the gospel. See, see, Paul had gone to this city. He had spoken to these people. He had shared the gospel with them. They had repented. They had uh, uh, converted away from their idols to the living God. And so now their hearts were united, even though they were apart. And I want to tell you that that should be our heart, uh, that separation. It's not that it makes the heart grow fonder. It's that the heart breaks because we want and we want for them. Uh, he remained spiritually concerned for them even if they were apart. Um, what, do you, what, what do you do with your kids? Uh, you know, some of you... Uh, some of you moms are getting ready uh, this year, and I don't want to bring it up, but it's only July. You know, why, why ruin a good summer by talking about this? But uh, some of you moms are, are sending your kids far, far away to kindergarten. Um, and, like, uh, I, I, remember, um, I remember one of them, uh, one of the children, one of those brats that I used to have, um, those little people, when we, we uh, sent them off to kindergarten, a few of us went out. I think the Lamonts were there in the Bears and went out for breakfast and we're like looking at each other going, well, what do we do now? You know, uh, what are they doing? What do you think they're doing right now? And th this idea that though we're not with them, no, though we're not with them, we're thinking about them and we're wanting for their best, even though we're apart. Uh, some of it's bigger, right? It's college, or it's uh, they're moving away, or they're going in the military, or th there's this sense. I, I want to tell you, if, if you're separated, that should not stop your spiritual concern for them. In fact, in some ways, it should be more intense, as it was for Paul, not knowing, uh, but realizing what would be best for them. Spiritual concern. As we move on, uh, he explains really not just his spiritual concern, his heart for them, but he talks about what it brought him to do. Uh, we look at the beginning of this book, and it says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. And we're not sure through study that uh, the original visit was probably just Paul and Silas. Timothy came later, but now... Uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy are together, and they're working together. They're working in ministry, and they're, they're uh, co-laboring in the gospel. And, and it's great to have a team. It's an amazing thing to have a team and to have three like this. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's great. It's, it's encouraging to work together. Paul now talks about what happens now. Uh, and... Really, if we're spiritually concerned, it means you sacrifice for them. Uh, Paul writes this. He says, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, our co-worker in the gospel of Christ. They were willing to separate their team. They were willing to be left alone. They were willing to uh, shoulder more work. Uh, to send Timothy 
and, and I want to tell you that this is the show of spiritual concern. Most of the time when we're working on something, we see what we are doing as most important. And we're figuring out ways to make our job easier, more efficient, more profitable. We are working on what we are working on. And what something's going on in a different city in a different time, we're like, we're focused right here, right now. But Paul's concern uh, uh, for that church and that time and where they were, he said, I will, uh, we can lose a team member, a third of our team. We will send him. It's not going to be good for us, but it will be good for them. And we desire to know that. We want to know that badly how they're doing. He sent Timothy, who um, you can imagine. I I hate to bring this analogy up, but I think it. um, So uh, around the Bosler house, if we're doing uh, yard work, uh, you'd think that we'd be able to get more done than we are. But I'm just saying, if, if, if I'm working, let's say we're weed whacking, okay? Have you ever weed whacked? Has anyone ever weed whacked here? You know what we, we you can track with me. Okay, good. So we're working outside, and I have my boys with me. I have my boys with me. I have uh, Caleb, Nate, Daniel, and we all have weed whackers, and we're working. Uh, we we have a pretty good team. We have a pretty good team, and you should be able to get a lot done. Uh, what would happen? Uh, what would happen if I lost uh, one of them? Uh, one of them went to your house to weed whack. This could happen. This could be a real life scenario. Uh, they could go to your house. Uh, you say, well, you still have two other ones. What if, what if, uh, I'm, I'm late 40s, late 40, I'm 48, I'm 49 this year, and then the next one is what? 50, whoa. Um, but uh, I, I want to tell you that um, I'm, I'm a pretty good chief. Like, I'm a pretty good chief. I can direct, I can uh, do quality control. You missed a spot over there and stuff like that. But I, I can't keep up with them right now. I want to tell you this. Uh, Timothy, Timothy might have been the best player on their team because he was the young man, full of energy. He, he, he was the one that was running around, and he was the one who could get up early and stay up late, and he says, I'm fine. And they're going, oh, I'm going to drag him today. Uh, they sent Timothy, uh, this valuable hard worker, the gospel he's willing to sacrifice and i, I want to tell you if you uh, care if you care if you're a pastor if you're a parent a grandparent sometimes it's going to cost you it's going to cost you to uh to, for this care to go out this spiritual concern it's not going to fit into your schedule I, I think the the one grand thing that's so difficult as a parent or grandparent is, is you still think you can have your kingdom you still think you can have your agenda. And I'm not letting my kids or my grandkids mess up what I want to do. I want to tell you, you can't be spiritually concerned and not get knocked off your plan. It's this idea that you're willing to sacrifice for them all the time. Spiritual concern. Paul had this. Uh, he had spiritual concern that caused him to sacrifice for them. Number three, uh, as we continue on in our passage, you seek to strengthen them for present and imminent battles. As you look at this passage, 
Why did he send Timothy? It wasn't just to get a report. It wasn't just to see how things were going. It wasn't just to check in. Hey, everything's good here. Took a few pictures. I will post them later and we will head back uh, to be with the team. Great visit. He says what he desired for um, for them and, and what he his heart was for them. It says to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. To establish and exhort. I love those words because they picture uh, this twofold idea of strengthening. The first one, uh, the, the, this picture of establishing, it's the idea of, of buttressing or making strong, getting ready uh, for the battle. You, you can imagine a soldier getting ready for the battle and someone coming alongside them and say, hey, let me help you with your armor. Let me put this on. And then the idea of saying, let me put a little bit more on so you'll really be ready. And the more he puts on, the more ready he is for battle. This is the picture of why Timothy was going there. He was getting them ready. Uh, He was strengthening them in such a way for the battle. I want to tell you, uh, I want to just take a, a small break and say this. How should this teach us to be parents? What is it that, that we need to be about doing? Strengthening. Strengthening. Getting our kids ready for the battle. Ready for the battle. I think so often um, we do the, uh, the China case, right? <laughs> we do the China case. This is my child. They're so valuable. Put them in the China case. There, they won't get sick. There, they won't get hurt ever. There, they'll never be infected or affected by this world that's perishing. And I want to tell you that that Paul's method was not just pull back and protect. His desire for them, his spiritual concern was make them strong, make them strong cause them to be established in their faith. The second word is very similar. It's got the same idea. You can even translate uh, without stretching it too much. The same word. It's making strong, but it's through encouragement, through encouragement. Um, If you can picture in this room right now that I pick on one of you, I pick on one of you, and I single you out, and everyone's looking at you, and I ask you a question. I ask you a question. And you've got the answer, and you, you sheepishly, you know, the question is whatever. Um, uh, what, what book of the Bible? We even did this in school, and it was, uh, we, my teachers, this is torture of years gone by. So uh, he sent someone out of the class, and uh, he uh, set some things on the board, and he said, uh, of these three lines right here, which one is the shortest line? The shortest line. And so he sent this girl out of the class on an errand. Didn't tell anybody, but while she was gone, he said, um, I'm going to call on some of you, and you make sure you don't answer this way. It doesn't matter what you answer, but answer some, And it was obviously the shortest line. It was obviously. So what's the shortest line? And people are going A, C, D. No one's saying B. But he asks this girl, which one is the shortest line? And she's really smart, sweet. And she says, well, it's B. 
And then he starts going through the class and every no one is. And you could see her start to sweat. <laughs> you see her start to sweat. And why is that? Why is that? Because when we have the right answer, but nobody agrees with us, there's a sense of going, well, maybe I'm not right. <laughs> maybe I'm not, you know, got the right answer. What if it happened to us here this morning and I, I picked on one of you and you had the, what you felt was the right answer, but everyone looked at you and said, you've got the wrong answer. You've got the wrong answer. But I looked at you and said, don't worry. You've got it. Stay with your answer. I know you're right. That's the picture of encouragement here is that uh, he sent Timothy to them that they would know the encouragement of staying with the right answer, that they would continue on. You see, this passage, and really the passages we've gone over thus far, um, it's in the midst of afflictions. It's in the midst of suffering. And the, it's the midst of life that doesn't fit into God's program, Right? And so he sent Timothy to do what? To establish them, to build them up, to make them strong, and to encourage them that they had the right answer in the midst of the afflictions of this life. And I want to tell you, there are battles. There are battles. And I, I want to do that for you in a, a better way. I want to prepare you in a better way for the afflictions of this life. And you say, well, what will those be? I don't know. I don't know. But I know this, they'll come. They might be health-related. They might be family-related. They might be relationships that separate because of the gospel. Uh, there, there might be all kinds of things that come and put pressure on you. And, and there's a pressure to change. Paul wanted them, he, because he was spiritually concerned with them, he wanted them to be strengthened for the present and imminent battles that they were um, going to come across uh, I want to I want to say this before I move on from this passage in verse 3 it says that no one be moved that no one be moved by these afflictions um, I, I've never been in the military uh, closest I came to it was junior high just regular public school um, but um I've heard this. I've heard this from Pastor Mike and others have talked about it. So I looked it up and some of you have heard me share about this before. Uh, when you go in the Marines in boot camp, uh, some of you have seen this. I'm gonna, there's going to be flashbacks because you're going to be like, oh, no, not those. Um, they have yellow footprints. You know about the yellow footprints? When you come, they, they say, go stand on those yellow footprints. Those are your yellow footprints. You can look it up online. It's very interesting. Uh, they have yellow footprints, and these are yours, and you're just supposed to stand there. Um, th that sounds pretty simple, right? Stand there. But what's the temptation? If the sun is beating down on you and there's a tree over there, what's the temptation? Hey, I'm just going to go stand over here. It's shadier over here, you know. Um, Hey, you, you see someone that looks kind of interesting. Hey, let's go talk to these people over here. And, and w what's going to happen? I haven't been in the military, but I can imagine what's going to happen if you get off your yellow, you know. 
And, and those yellow footprints are a calling for you to stay. This is where you should be. So you know. This is the place for you. If you wander off this, it's bad for you. I want to tell you that the danger for us as believers is not being where we should be, is being moved. And in this passage, moved by what? Afflictions. Pressures of life. And I want to tell you, afflictions in this life have a purpose of the enemy. And what are, what's the purpose? That you would be moved. That you would trade your right answer in for the wrong one. That you would wander off into a path that would be bad for you. That you would quit following Christ and follow after something else. This is what Paul was concerned about them, and this is why he sent Timothy, so that they would be strengthened and encouraged, so that they would not be moved by these afflictions. I want to tell you, every heartache of this life, the enemy wants to use it to draw you away from Christ. Every one of them. Every heartache that your child goes through, every sickness that uh, you go through, every financial crisis, every uh, argument or dispute in your home, everything that doesn't go your way here at this church, he wants to use that, that you would be moved from the right answer of following after Christ. He wants you to give up your position. He wants to ask, cause that thought, are you sure this is the right answer for you? Are you sure you should be following after Christ? Is it really, it, it sounds like a, a tactic of the enemy. That's what he used on Adam and Eve, right? Did God really say that? It's this idea of drawing us away from the place that he wants us to be. Number four, um, Spiritual concern means that you warn them or the ones that you're concerned about, about trials. Paul says this uh, in verse 2. He says this. I'm sorry, verse 3. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. Destined for this. Uh, I'll get to it later. But as a Christian, if you follow after Christ... Afflictions and suffering are your destiny. They will come into your life. Uh, that's a warning. That's a warning for us. It's a, a, a preparation for us. Some people lie about the gospel and they say, if you come to Christ, if you follow after Him, all your problems will go away. All your problems will go away. All your money problems will go, uh, go away. All your health problems will go away. All your relationship problems will go away. Your life will be perfect. That's not true. That's not what the scripture tells us. Not just in this passage, but in others as well. We warn, uh, if you care about someone, you warn them. Uh, he said they're destined for this in the gospel. Uh, it's not that this happens all the time, but they, these things will come upon you. I was reminded of in 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, these are some of the words that, that come across as Peter was saying these same things. He says, 
Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. He says, connected to Christ, Christ suffered. So guess what? You will suffer as well because you're connected to Christ. He goes on in the chapter in verse 12 and he says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes on you to test you as something strange were happening, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. It's not that this life is going to be filled with suffering and afflictions over and over again and this life's going to be just one drag after another. But what he's saying is they will come. They will come. Don't be surprised when they come and know this, that in the end, it will be worth it. Any suffering of this life, any affliction of this life, it will be worth it in the end. <coughs> Number five, he doesn't just warn uh, those he's spiritually concerned about, about afflictions, but he warns them about enemies and the enemy. shared with you the, probably the last weeks I've been in here, but back in Acts, when it talks about going to Thessalonica, they responded to the gospel and immediately there was persecution. So they knew about it. It was as if they came to the gospel and the next thing they know, uh, they're being drug out of their houses and brought before and taken money and beatings and this and that. They knew about it immediately. So they knew about afflictions, but there were people that were their enemies immediately because of the gospel. And that, that will happen in this life. Because you name the name of Christ, people will become your enemy just because of it. Uh, you name the name of your Christ. You are a believer. Uh, I, I don't like you. You're my enemy. But listen to this passage. As we're back in chapter 3, um, it says this. Verse 4, he says, For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand, and... We, we were to suffer affliction uh, just as it came to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear. Somehow the tempter had tempted you. So there are two groups of people that he's talking about there. First of all, it was the ones back in town that were enemies that were bringing about affliction upon them. They knew their names. They knew their faces. But he also was concerned not just about enemies, but about the enemy. And he refers to him in this passage, not by name, but by his characteristic strategy of tempting. Of tempting. You have an enemy that desires to tempt you and drag you away from your spot. The tempter tempts. This is his characteristic activity. Uh, he, I'd say it this way. He dangles the luscious fruit of quitting or wandering off. I got a better place for you. If you just leave your spot, life will be better for you. It's not the right answer that you have. You're uh, placing your life. It's a fool's place that you stand. And he tempts you to walk away. He tempts us uh, to not be content with the things that God has granted us. 
He calls on us and says, uh, there's something better out there. It might be a sport. It might be baseball or basketball. It might be something like grades or some kind of accomplishment that says, hey, if you just try harder, if you just do this, if you just make this more important, um, this would be good. It might be money. If you just work harder and do this and, and uh, go after this and after this, you'll get more money and then your life will be complete. It might be something of some kind of affection of a person. It might be some kind of appearance thing. It might be some kind of uh, popularity thing. And I want to say this for us and for our kids. If you're spiritually concerned for your kids, guard their hearts for them until they can do it themselves. Be careful how much sports they're involved in. Be careful how much they practice their instrument. Be careful how much they uh, spend time in school. Why? Because those could be the idols that drag them away from the true and living God. We realize that the tempter tempts, and what is he going to tempt with? What is he going to tempt you and your family with? What is he going to say to you? Oh, just come over here. I have something better for you. There's something better than the Lord has for you. The tempter tempts. And from spiritual concern, Paul says, I want you to know that you have enemies and you have an enemy. He's seeking to drag you away from that which the Lord has for you. Two more. We're, We're rolling now. We're rolling now. You end this passage uh, in, in uh, verse 5, it says this. Uh, he, he's, he has this fear. He has this, when he could bear it no longer, I sent you to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Our labor would be in vain. If you're spiritually concerned, their success is everything to you. Their success is everything to you. When you're concerned about your children's spiritual success, it's everything to you. You realize that uh, they can have a lot of friends. They can be good with cars. They can be uh, get into the right college. They can uh, get a job in the right field. They can get married. All these things can happen. But if they're not walking with the Lord, if the tempter has drawn them away from the gospel, Paul sought in vain. His work was in vain. He says, this is the one thing that's important to me. My spiritual concern for them. I, I, I know about being a parent and the idea that you want your kids to succeed and you want them to do well and you, you, you love it when they hit the home run. You love it when people acknowledge them. You love it when they get the certificate and they go like this and you take a picture of them. Uh, I, I, I get all that. But I want to say this, that, that all that's in vain if the tempter has drawn them off of their spot. If they turn to the idols of this life and not, and, and not uh, cling to the God who loves them so much. Paul saw it as everything. And lastly, 
you're concerned spiritually, uh, you know that the success is the Lord's. As I've studied the book of 1 Thessalonians, the thing that comes up over and over again, Paul says it in the first chapter. He says, we thank God. We thank God. He's thanking God about them, right? Why do you thank God about somebody else, what they have done? Well, because God was the one who needs to be thanked because he was the one who did it. He, uh, and what did he do? I spoke of it earlier. He turned their hearts, which were stuck on idols, to himself. By his own plan, that this was the predestined to adoption, that this is this picture uh, chosen, uh, that he had done the work. And I want to tell you that as we show this spiritual concern, this worry that our heart is for them, and it's always for them, we know this. This is a work of God that I can't do on my own, that I can't make happen. But with God's help, he can turn their heart away from the things of this life to himself. I'll just say it this way to tie up our time. Uh, Paul is seeing his life, seeing his life, his ministry, his relationships through the gospel glasses. He's got a different lens on. You look at this, and even in the times that I've I've gone over this passage and the others in here, I've gone, Paul, you're taking it too far. Get some balance to your life, Paul. Your whole life being in vain, you know, it was worthless that I came because, you know, someone wandered away. Come on, Paul. I want to tell you, he's looking through the lens of the Gospels. Paul realizes the idolatry that he was a part of, the lostness that he had. And so in his own heart, he's going, I've been saved and I've been changed and my life is now eternal in him. And, and he's thr- in his thrill for that, he goes, and that's what happened to them in Thessalonica as well. And the thrill of my, my desire, my hope is that they would be enjoying that and my fear is that they are not. And so as he looks at his own life, he sees it in the gospel. And as he looks at their life, he sees it in the gospel there as well. I want to tell you that spiritual concern uh, is looking through a different lens than everyone else is looking through. It's different. The rest of the world doesn't care about these things. But we who've tasted the gospel should look at life differently knowing that he's granted us all the riches that are found in Christ Jesus. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, encourage our hearts, I pray, um, that you would um, excite our hearts to spiritually concern ourselves with those in our lives, uh, our children, our grandchildren, those who we're around. God, I ask that you would encourage those who are struggling right now with a wayward child, with a wayward spouse, they're struggling in their home, struggling with their grandkids. Lord, I pray, I pray that you would encourage their hearts that this is important and that you are with them in that and that you will not abandon them in this process, but this is your desire for them as well. God, glorify yourself uh, in this church as you rescue families here in our midst. God, we thank you in Jesus' name.